You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. We're going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you, as always, by the fine folks over at Hotels.com. Um, obviously, it's vacation season with the summer, kids out of school, uh, you know, obviously people posting trips, guys, uh, you know, don't let it get to you. Use Hotels.com. Get rewarded basically everywhere. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded with Hotels.com. Uh, you know, obviously here, you know, uh, on Locked On Browns, your local experts on the biggest stories as, you know, we're closing days, uh, you know, each day, another one off off the list as we get closer and closer to camp with Pete Smith here. Uh, as always, guys, the uh, show can be heard, Himalaya, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, um, wherever you're looking, make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns. Uh, ratings, reviews are always appreciated. Pete, my man, how's everything going on this fine summer day where, you know, we bitched about this rain for a while, but, uh, you know, Pete, summer's here now, and it's here in full force. I would be happy if it would just stay summer, but, like, we had two days of no rain, so we got an impromptu thunderstorm and downpour for a while, and, and now we're just sitting with humidity. So I am more than ready for it to just be hot. I can deal with that. I'm just – not, but just to say – I haven't actually been affected by the rain too much so far, so it hasn't been a huge deal. It's just sort of obnoxious, and there's certain areas of Ohio. Uh, I'm fortunate to live on a hill, so I'm never affected by this, but there are certainly areas of Ohio that have been washed out uh, by all this rain. Yeah, and what was it, uh, the Western Michigan football stadium, for Christ's sakes? I mean, the water was up to the, you know, basically up to the stands, for God's sakes. The entire field was flooded, so obviously that's just been insane. Uh, Pete, I'm actually going to start with this one. I found this interesting. Former Browns tight end, Jordan Cameron. Obviously, you know, Jordan, uh, there was a time where he was looking like a real promising player. Uh, Obviously, you know, sadly the concussions caught up to him. Any idea what he's up to now, Pete? Uh, I, I, I mean, I know because you, you sent me the DM, uh, I mean, he's, he's, uh, ending up with, uh, the right women, I suppose. Uh, yes, he has, um, apparently knocked up Tiger Woods, ex-wife, Ellen Nordgren. Um, first things first, great move. Um, and now between him and his sister, they have now, I know Pete, I know you love the word breed. They have bred with... Matt Leinart, Blake Griffith, Blake Griffin, and now Ellen Norman. That's I mean, if you're gonna do it and you know try to plan for some financial security for your children, Pete, it's probably a good way about it going about it. Jordan Cameron has an impressive track record on this on this front. A good looking dude. I mean, there's no way around that one. He uh, well, he was also, you know. I don't know if he was married to her, but at least dating a, a, a gorgeous volleyball player from, I think uh, the same. I think it was USC, but I could be wrong. Sanford somewhere, some some Pac-12 school. So he's uh, he he's done well for himself in that department. Yeah, it's you know not not, not too shabby on that one. So uh, you know, always nice to you know get a former Brown sighting, and obviously Jordan doing very well for himself these days. So so there's that. Um, Next one I want to get to here real quick, League News. Pete, did you see what Mar- Marlon Humphrey went and gone did? Yeah, he apparently uh, changed his number so he can be a fullback. Uh, yeah, or, you know, maybe now what is, uh, you know, uh, an outside linebacker. Um, one of the leagues, obviously from the Baltimore Ravens, one of the leagues up-and-coming young top corners in the league, changed his number from 26 to 44, and I'm assuming, Pete, he did that willingly. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's possible that, you know, it was done at gunpoint. I, I could see that argument for it. Um, it makes sense. I'm assuming there must be, like, some reason behind it I didn't see. Uh, but it's a pretty genuinely terrible number. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I'll be very curious to, one, find out the reason for it, and then, two, to see if anyone wants to buy a 44 Humphrey jersey. Yeah, and the other thing, though, is it does seem kind of weird because, obviously, Marlon Humphrey is, you know, uh, an NFL legacy. His dad, former uh, running back Bobby Humphrey, wore 26, so wearing dad's number. And then you just kind of go completely off the rails. I mean, it's not like, you know, 26 isn't the greatest cornerback number. I mean, there's some better ones, but, by God, 44, it's, it, 44 is a number that is now lost in the NFL, Pete. Right. Um... Well, the position it belongs to is lost. Right. I, well, I mean, like that's a a high school style number, so that you can play, you know, the Mike backer slash fullback, which is, you know, not really a thing as much as it used to be. That, but that was like that was the deal. Your Mike, Mike back, linebacker was always your fullback, and that's how they ended up being things like forty four. You know, I mean, it's essentially you're doing the you know the same type of things on that. So it was interesting on that. Um, now, uh, obviously, Pete, some more came out today. Uh, you know, somebody put it up about Rashard Higgins, and it's kind of funny that you're seeing some of the the Browns folks starting to come around more to things that we were preaching early last season, um, even about the time Jarvis Landry got here. It's, you know, of where Jarvis may end up in the pecking order, you know, by the time the smoke all clears on the 2019 season. Well, first, it's you know, and 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 to the, you know, I know Jake Burns is had acknowledged this uh, a few months ago that you know we got well, Jake also does it more polite, unlike us. <laughs> True, um, but it sort of acknowledged that yeah, uh, Richard Higgins was the second, was the you know the best receiver on the Browns last year, uh, and then you know someone asked uh, Ryan Burns. Uh, legendary asshole for not getting Kyle Murphy on a podcast earlier, Ryan Burns, at FTBL Sickness. Maybe they already had this conversation 50 times and Ryan never thought to put it actually on a, on a podcast. No, I busted his balls about it. Uh, and and Kyle, you, you can ask Kyle. I've, I've, I've mentioned this. This was a, I, this was a, a Browns note I, I said needed to happen. Yep. Um, but uh, anyway, so he was asked, uh, you know, somebody who, who follows me and, and may or may not have been inspired to ask by, by – uh, following me in the numbers and stuff, but basically asking if Jarvis Landry is going to end up as the fourth best receiver on the team. And, and Ryan said, not yet, uh, you know, said he said that that could be in the cards, but then, you know, sort of said, uh, you know, he values Jarvis and under other ways, but you know, if, if Antonio Callaway goes where he could fourth is very realistic for where Jarvis could go. And it really becomes a question, and I think this is going to play out, is, is I don't know how ready Browns fans are to see how much less Jarvis Landry they might see this season. Now, we'll see. I could be dead wrong about this, but especially if you start seeing things like Odell Beckham playing the slot, um, to me it makes way more sense to put Richard Higgins on the outside and potentially Callaway on the uh, on the other side of the field rather than putting Landry out there because you want to maximize your athleticism and speed uh, and and different styles of receivers uh, and you know 
Jarvis Landry is at his best in the slot. He is not a good receiver on the boundary. It's just not there. Cal, uh, Higgins is better. If, if, in fact, if you want to uh, question Higgins anywhere, it's can he do those things in the slot? They're really like two sides of the same coin in that respect. But Higgins certainly is better with Mayfield. Now the question is going to be uh, for this season, how much of that is due to the fact that Higgins and Mayfield had that extra time to develop that chemistry. Uh, but I, you know, ha- having watched it, I, I always, you know, I, I've never felt Landry and Mayfield is a very good fit. Uh, I don't think Landry fits stylistically with what he does. And, and, and Higgins doesn't on the, like, you know, on the outside looking in, but he does so so many nifty things in terms of his body and, and, and moving uh, his feet after he catches the ball to sort of set up for yards after the catch, which is yards after the catch is what Baker Mayfield uh, needs in his guys. And that's not been a strength for Landry. Landry is a guy who can, who can get some, uh, who, who will catch the ball. will get to get to some, get you some yards. Uh, but it's most of a, mostly a catch and fall down type thing as opposed to, you know, catch a, uh, a, a drag route and take it up the sideline. Higgins has, far more nifty movement skills when it comes to ability after the catch. So I, I think, you know, it, I'm, look, it's Odell and everyone else, but there's so much talk of it's Odell and then Landry. And I don't think that that second part is true or at the very least, it's not true yet because I, I, I think it, it it's either going to be Odell and, other three guys, yes, or it could be Odell and somebody else likely to take that second spot, and I and I think that could be Higgins. I also don't like. I, I know there are a lot of people sort of like tapping the brakes on what Callaway can be. You know, unless he does something off the field, I'm not I'm not uh, willing to say he can't become that true number two guy by the time the season ends. That doesn't mean it'll happen right away, but. It would not surprise me because I think in terms of if you're looking at this from like, like a long-term projection standpoint, like Beckham and Callaway is the most logical progression of where this thing ultimately goes. Uh, yeah, well, and the other thing, though, is is you buy, you get three more years with Antonio Callaway where he's not making any money, which is nice because obviously Odell comes with a huge, huge price tag. Um, you brought up putting Odell on the slot. Okay, now if you put Odell on the slot, and most of the time, Odell is going to probably command the attention of two people. So uh, whoever's on the outside, that's already going to make life easier for them because they have, obviously, the entire field, have the sideline to work with, and the benefit of single coverage. Um, if you do David Njoku five yards off the tackle or even in you know some sort of big slot type of formation, or even you put David outside, there's not a defensive back, you know, measurement-wise, that can man up with him. Um, now, as far as the Jarvis thing and you know where he could maybe finish up fourth, and I, I think this goes back to what we said from jump with Jarvis Landry, is if Jarvis Landry finishes better than fourth, you might want to be, we might be a little bit concerned about where the record of this team is, because Baker has all of this ability vertically, and that's where he likes to go the ball and you know, the, the the first reads, and if it's there, and now you got. You add Odell to this 
with Callaway, who's emerging as you know a guy out of a cut can get separation quickly. Richard, you know, has shown just you know even though he's you know a little closer athletically to the Jarvis than he is obviously to Odell and Callaway, they just have that yin and yang. And Baker feels his cut before even Higgins even feels it. Um, so I think it would be if you know Jarvis did end up you know second, third in receptions on this team, it might be because the Browns were having a problem getting the ball vertically down the field. Perhaps. Um, and and what, what the second first thing that comes to mind is it, when you talk about Odell in the slot is, man, it'd be nice to have Rashad Perryman to be that, you know, that guy that plays on the boundary outside of him. But having said that, that can be Callaway right now. Like he, he has the ability to press the field vertically. He has the ability to be a catch and run guy. So, like, if you oh, if you put those two guys on the same side and Beckham's on the Beckham's in the slot, and you're saying that that's going to draw uh, less attention to the outside guy, Callaway is a really good fit for that. But you know, the the question I ask uh, and I've always asked when it comes to Jarvis Landry is if you could put the ball in anyone's hands on this offense, who do you go first? Who, who who's first? Clearly, it's Odell Beckham now. Last year, it was you know different guys, but right now it's Odell Beckham. After that, you know it might it might be Nick Chubb, it might be Kareem Hunt when he comes back, uh, it might be Antonio Callaway, it might be David Njoku, but Landry finishes very low in terms of if I can put the ball in anyone's hands right now, who is it? Duke Johnson is better with the ball in his hands. Uh, that is not you know that's not a great spot for Landry and there are times when he did a great job obviously uh he has some yards after the catch play like he did against Carolina but at the same time you're also saying sitting there wondering if, if that's something he has uh, oh you know there's something but it's it's difficult to see how much better he can get uh but here at what he does and I and right now at least last year that was better uh you know on a perception basis and, and on an efficiency basis and and Baker Mayfield's rating and efficiency and everything else were better throwing to Higgins than they were to Landry. So it will be interesting. I I trust in Freddie Kitchens not to feel like he has to force balls to Landry, uh, but based on the money. So I am very curious to see how this goes, you know, in an honest, you know, situation where you're trying to go, I, I want to win this week. How do I do that? Where, where does the ball go? Who do I who do I want to get the ball to? And and after Odell Beckham, that becomes a real interesting question. And it might change week to week, you know, depending on matchups and those things. And there may be a couple games where Landry is the best option uh, because they're playing teams against zone. He's very good against, against yes. zone coverage. Against teams that play a lot of man, he may get lost in the shuffle. And th- there are better options and potentially good situations. But, uh, you know, the, the guy, I, I suppose, has the most – you know, other than other than Callaway, has the most sort of upside slash, you know, room to grow is going to be Najoku, and then you, you know where does he fit into that? Does he suddenly jump up? I mean, we we always talk about this in terms of you know the just straight wide receivers, one, two, three, four. But if Najoku takes that big next step, you know, then he might be three, and and you know Jarvis Landry might be four, or and and another receiver might be five or something like that. Then it becomes another element of this whole thing. Um, and guys, this just gets back to kind of what we've been preaching about. It, it, the skill position groups here now are disgusting and disgustingly deep. 
and it's it, there's times where it, it, there's times where it could just be straight filthy because even with Odell on the field and you know as great as he is and now everybody else where it's you know okay well you know what are you gonna do all right where's Chubb on this play where's Odell on this play and then you just put in the moving parts of who else could be on the field with him it's going to be a lot of, lot of freaking fun. Uh, always thankful for the folks at Blue Chew for sponsoring the show. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. Blue like the color. Promo code locked on. Uh, look, guys, when you step up to the plate, don't bring the wiffle ball bat. Make sure you bring the goddamn Louisville slugger. Check out Blue Chew for your, need, your performance needs, if you do, if you need it. Go ahead and check out the fine folks over at Blue Chew. And, of course, as always, we appreciate the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. We got some listener questions here, which we'll dive into here. And actually, I have the first one actually was tossed over into the Locked On Browns DMs. And as always, guys, you can go ahead and do that. Um, I told you, so I understand some folks, you know, you're not huge on Twitter. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, posting and stuff like that, that's fine. You can always drop the DM here. I actually do have this one, though. Um, this, uh, I, uh, I think his name is Adam. But, Pete, this was dropped over before we get to the question. Totally agree with what you guys have been saying about Duke. Plus, uh, who to say OJ, OBJ won't miss a game or two, so having all the depth is fantastic. Plus, Pete, I'm a 2005 Streetsburg graduate. Definitely a small world moment when I first started listening to you guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you. We do appreciate it. And Pete, obviously, you know, uh, Streetsburg is a little little part of your heart these days. No, that, that's way before my time. Uh, yeah, that is that is definitely true on that spurt. Okay, so now we will, uh, of course, I went right there, read that DM, and crossed right past the DM I was supposed to talk about, but here we go. Um, now, this would be from Sean Hardman. Sean, appreciate it. Uh, question for us both. What would you guys like to see done in the new CBA coming up? Expanded rosters, more games, no testing for pot example. Uh, one, outside the ba- one outside the box idea about one player max contract with the NBA, say 30% of the cap. There would only be a few key, uh, QBs that wouldn't like it. Looking forward to your answer, your answers on the show. Uh, okay, um, I don't want to see more games. Nope. I, don't see, I, I I think you know certainly just not testing for marijuana would be great. Um, but if you're asking me for an outside the box thought, um, uh, I mentioned this like a, probably a week and a half ago. There was you know the talk about uh, hometown discounts. Um, I I think. The NFL should include in the CBA a, a hometown bonus that's uncapped, allows teams to pay, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote, you know, keeping your guy there. And obviously, this would likely end up being quarterbacks uh, uh, largely. Well, if teams but, can get them. <laughs> right. But, 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 you know, quarterback position in particular, the NFL takes up such an enormous amount of salary cap. And we are getting to a point where teams that pay the quarterback, uh, you know, over a certain point are at an inherent disadvantage. And I, I, you know, I love the idea of taking advantage of the window. Certainly that's where the Browns are trying to do now uh, with a rookie contract. And a number of teams have won Super Bowls like that. Philadelphia has won a Super Bowl like that. Seattle has won a Super Bowl like that. The Rams are trying to win a Super Bowl like that. But you know, for the sake of not, you know, having, you know, great, great, great quarterbacks, Hall of Fame level quarterbacks, not crippling the rest of their team. I'd love to see some way to, you know, a hometown bonus where 
you know, relative to the cap, they're paying, you know, it, it capped at a certain amount, but they can pay them more. I, I like the idea of the hometown discount is for the sake of, the, well, first, it certainly it's just the sake of saving the owner money, uh, uh, which I could care less about. They're billionaires. What <laughs> I'd rather the players have it. But part of the hometown discount idea is to save for the salary cap, uh, is to be able to get more players. And it's dumb to me that that you should be essentially bailing out the owner because you're too great. Uh, and, and this is going to be a thing for Baker Mayfield. This is going to be a thing with Miles Garrett. But I, you know, I wish there was in the NBA. You know, with I, I, the supermax is an interesting idea. It's horribly executed in terms of how it's determined who's eligible for them, and the fact that media votes are a big determinant. That's idiotic. But right. somehow having <laughs> uncapped bonus money for guys who stay with your team. Like I think that would be a great idea for the NFL. And that that is something that I think is reasonable. Now I'm sure the NFL owners want no part of this because that means paying more money, but maybe they would be interested just for the sheer standpoint of it means that if you're able to find and get a great quarterback, that you're also able to keep a good good team around him. And that you know that's as much as the NFL is a parody league and every, you know, the, the, the element is like on some level, everybody's supposed to be geared towards finishing eight and eight. Like we don't, no one really wants that to happen by virtue of the quarterback's contract, just gutting your team of, of, of talent. Well, for me, with the thing with the quarterback is you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be penalized because you hit on your guy. Um, and look, I mean, we see this, you know, Arizona already. You know, you moved out Josh Rose and you came in with Kyler Murray. Um, if you can't evaluate the quarterback position and you continue to swing and miss, um, obviously, <laughs> Browns fans know this very well, um, but if Baker continues down this path that he's on now, it, it shouldn't cripple your organization because, you know, you now have to pay the quarterback and that's just the way this league works. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I do like that idea. Um, for me, I, what I still think is is the game day inactives. Um, look, I, injuries, that's one thing. But I mean, if you have what what's the point of it? I mean, it's, you know, if, if you're healthy, throw on your freaking uniform, go chase down a kick, uh, play some special teams. And for me, it's also part of, you know, league development. Uh, you know, if part of what you do as coaches and a, and a team is to develop players, What's the point if these guys are only doing, you know, a couple, you know, one sort of hard practice during the week, a bunch of soft practices? How are they getting any better? I mean, that, that's one for me that just makes no freaking sense. If your roster is 53, whoever's healthy puts on their uniforms Sunday, Monday night, Thursday night, whatever it is, have all of them play. It's it, For me, that's just a really, really stupid one. And especially, you know, where it could be as insignificant as special teams reps or... Or when you see something, Pete, you know, where it's, you know, a center has got to go out of the game and all of a sudden you see a guy who's never snapped the ball is over there, you know, snapping the ball to, uh, you know, a quarterback on a $200 million contract. I, I, I don't know. I, what, why does it, the inactive thing to me is the dumbest thing going. Look, if you're injured and you're out, I get that. But otherwise, distress everybody. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I don't, I, I, obviously it's in, in some part due to like try to, I guess, mask or hide injuries but everybody knows if you're hurt or you're not hurt because you're forced to report anyway you may not have to get into like 
percentages of injury, but you if have you were doubtful on pool. If you were doubtful on Friday with a hamstring, we get it. You weren't ready to go. Yeah, you have this gambling tool that tells everybody your injury report anyway. So, uh, yeah, the inactive list is, is outdated and ineffective. And now nowadays, potentially dangerous, uh, you know, with the way player safety is uh, being focused on, as it should be. Uh, and the other part of that is, like, you know, for the teams that carry three quarterbacks, it, it invariably that's one of your inactives is the third string quarterback. Like th- th- these are things that are just asinine. The idea that if a guy gets, you know, a guy go- quarterback goes down, the f- next question is, well, which skill player is the backup quarterback in that scenario? Which is a dumb idea, dumb conversation. So yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. Yeah, so I mean, for for us that would be something there. Look, you know, I am one. I mean, you literally have NFL players begging you. I don't want to go home with 20 Percocets. I'll go home, blaze up, go to sleep, and I'll be back at the facility at 7.30 tomorrow morning like I'm required to do. And look, you know, and as far as, you know, I mean, you know, I hate that marijuana gets grouped in with, you know, every illegal drug. But, uh, you know, what's, you know, I mean, you know, get high, play some freaking video games, order a pizza and go to bed. I mean, you know, if that's how these people are choosing to protect themselves, uh, you know, and it's it's just so stupid. It, and even I like more of, you know, the way Pete's gone about it. Let, let's just not say it's okay to smoke weed. How about it's wink, wink, guess what? Nobody's going to show up and freaking test you for it anymore. It's, I mean, but it's literally to the point, and now it's ex-players and, and screaming. Um, and if you guys, uh, if you remember Kyle Turley, um, yeah, a former NFL offensive lineman. I know. Uh, I know it was the Saints. I forget who we played with before. Huge in that aspect. Uh, former NFL quarterback Jake Plummer, not as big in pushing at it because he actually does have. A, you know, he's also does some college football work as well. But uh, these guys are very, very pro of it. And you see, these guys are out there living really good lives right now, and they're able to function really well. And so, if you need any more evidence of it, but yeah, that that's another one that needs to go. Look, it's 2019, and you know, nobody really. Do you really care what these guys are doing? At home, I mean, it's. It, I mean, is it any different than Le'Veon Bell having two naked girls in bed going to work out and losing apparently seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in jewelry? I mean, nobody cares what these guys do when they go home. Uh, you get arrested for something stupid, that's one thing. But uh, if you went home, freaking smoked a blunt and played freaking Fortnite for two hours, nobody's gonna give a shit, Pete. Let's let's do the research and find out. Like, if it turns out, like, I mean, there's all these people who talk about. Well, there's there's uh, pain fighting benefits to to marijuana and cbd oil and all these things you know if you're if you're really of the belief that that is you know bullshit let's find out and then if if if, if you can you know, come up with reasonable you know, uh, documented studies and stuff that say it doesn't do anything so be it but let's at least get to that point like the answer cannot be well we're just going to give you a million prescription drugs. And like the worst case scenario is you have things like Ken Easley, who was one of the best safeties ever. And he was so uh, full of painkillers that he almost like, you know, his insides were a complete mess and he had organs almost shutting down. Uh, You know, a guy who's like a four or five time first team all pro, it was him and it was uh, Ronnie Lott. Those were the two dudes. Yep. And then all, He's out of the league because of this stuff. Like, you know, it it, clearly that's not the way to go about this. So let's be open to at least finding out 
this other thing doesn't work, then we got to find something else. But let's at least find out. Like, I hate the lack of uh, curiosity and honesty in this. And, and it just feels like, you know, you are so bought or at the behest of these these uh, pain-killing drugs that you're you're unwilling to even, you know, discuss or research the idea when, when this could be a massive benefit to your league and keep more players playing, which is what you want. You know, if, if this is something that improves quality of life, uh, both during and after, after playing, then great. It's the same thing with like some PDs. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nobody wants to have, I mean, I, I guess there's some people who are for it, but nobody really wants to have anabolic steroids. But there are other things that, again, potentially could be beneficial, both in terms of recovery and quality of life. And they should do everything they can to sort of investigate those things, because if those are real, they should be full on to it. Because the whole thing was, especially when it came to CTE and all these things, well, this is going to be the death of the league. These are me- these are measures you can potentially take that will save your workforce. And if your workforce is good... You're going to have more kids play youth again, and you're going to keep that. Uh, you're going to keep that power, that power, uh, that the uh, talent pool full, so yes. that you're never in a situation where you're worried about, well, w- what's the state of the league? So, in- investigate these things. Uh, it's actually great you brought up Kenny Easley in. Uh, I remember I was a kid, and you know we used to always get you know whatever you know Jets Giants, and we used to get that other 4:30 game, which usually involved well, I mean Seattle was in an AFC West team back in the day, um, obviously now an NFC West team, and uh, I remember we were I forget we were at my aunt and uncle's house, and my aunt at the time she was dating a doctor, and in I remember without a doubt it was the Seahawks were playing because obviously it's Kenny Easley. And the announcers are going gaga. Kenny Easley's out here doing all of this. He had arthroscopic arthroscopic knee surgery on Monday. And, you know, the doctor didn't stick around long with my aunt. But I remember at the time, that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. If he had knee surgery on Monday, why in the hell is he playing in a football game you know, less than six days later, and you know, and then you know, now that I'm older, I think about it. Like, what the freak was he on that he had a knee scope on Monday and played the so he played Sunday, had a knee scope the next day, and then played the following Sunday. Like, what the hell are you people freaking thinking? Um, so I mean, literally, I mean, and obviously Pete brought up and how bad Kenny Easley's life ended up being for a while. Imagine what the freak was in his body to go out there and play six days later for a Seattle Seahawks team at the time that never did anything. He was unbelievable. I'm he so was a really good player. Well, I'm, he's one I'm. I'm happy. I, I'm. Uh, I was thrilled when he finally got announced to the Hall of Fame. Uh, we are down to two Kens that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame that aren't in there. Uh, down from three. Go ahead, Kenny. Oh, uh, shout out to Bill Carroll, who will probably somehow call up and, and go on for two hours about this. Ken Anderson, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, and then Ken Riley, the uh, corner for the Bengals. Number 13. Uh, yeah, Ken, Ken, Ken was a phenomenal player, and that's one of those franchises that struggles to get any recognition in terms of Hall of Famers. Another one that should be in there is Willie Anderson. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, the Ken Easley – was a genuine phenom at UCLA. He's a phenom at with the Seattle Seahawks, and he was out of the league way too fast. 
to, to be that good, that special, and in out in like five years, where all of them, basically all of them, were all pro, first team all pros, uh, is is unfortunate, and that's that's you know where you want to avoid this thing going. Uh, guys, we got more to get to here. Um, you're listening on iTunes, Apple. Uh, now's a great time to drop that five-star written review. Tell everybody what great job we're doing here uh, on Lot Browns. We appreciate you guys for that. I'm going to slip this one in, Pete, before we uh, you know we get to a couple more questions here. Um, Alvin Kamara, did you? I, I, I'm pretty sure you saw this. You were commenting on today. Apparently, he was about to meet somewhere during the process, the draft process. And somebody had suggested that he probably remove his nose ring before meeting the potential general manager of whatever franchise it is. Um, A number one, it's 2019. Well, I guess this was 2017, so get used to that. I guess that was what? 18. No, he was a 17 draft, yes. Alan Kamara. Uh, A, get used to it. Come on, Pete. Hazard a guest. I, I got mine, who I think it was. Well, the, the, I know a lot of people are assuming it's Dave Gettleman. But the problem with that is, like, like the the when he was at the Carolina Panthers, they had super super uh, strict standards. But it wasn't Gettleman; it was Jerry Richardson, the owner. Like Jerry Richardson, the owner was like uh, weird about tattoos. You know, when it came to like Cam Newton, he you know is one of those where he doesn't want to see dreads. You like, mean the that, same Jerry Richardson where the NFL said sell your freaking franchise? Be the one, but. <laughs> And I don't. I didn't read the tone of this thing. If it was like you know one of these where it was like you know uh, you, you know th- this kid is bad because he has a nose piercing, or if it was more like I don't get kids these days because I could totally see John Dorsey going on a rant in more of a funny way about not not understanding nose nose piercings. Uh, as far as like somebody who's like potentially going to take them off their board. Uh, over that, or like the, it would make a really bad impression. Oof, that's tough. I'm, maybe I I, I want to say it's somebody like Scott Pioli, or you know whoever, whoever's running the Falcons, Dimitra Pioli, whatever, uh, whatever member of the cadre of the super clean Falcons. Um, well, for me, it would be, even if you're like the really older guy, and you know you are a you know a GM who's pushing seventy years old. Like, wouldn't it be more, and this is the thing we're adapting and understanding there's a 50-year age gap. Son, you, you play with that? That's not like a problem? Like, people don't try to rip that the freak out of your nose? Like, that that would be the question coming from the older guy to the younger guy. Like, you sure that's the best idea? You know, like, but look, I mean, if you can ball the freak out, I mean, I you know, you know, I don't give a crap, whatever, pierce your freaking nipples, do whatever the hell you got to do as long as you're going to ball out. But uh, it just, again, it tells you uh, to the state of the affairs that there is a lot of dinosaurs in NFL front offices, Pete. Yeah, well, I mean, some of it is, you know, the very the last bastions of the the generation that was coached up by uh, World War II yes. veterans uh, and 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 Korean veteran Korean. We're going veterans. to church on Sunday. You put on your shirt and tie. Yeah, the guys who came out and basically coached like it was a military regiment, and there was a you know there was a time, and that was that was how it was done. Uh, and, and there's some that were, were coached like that and, and still, you know, sort of either try to hold on to that standard or still insist up, insist upon it. Uh, but you know, that, that is, there's a few left, but that's largely dying that, you know, you sort of have to evolve with the times, uh, that you can't expect 
them to be sort of a, a military outfit or that, you know, it's an extension of the army, which is what the NFL was looked at. The game of football was looked at as a way to train future soldiers. That was one of the big marketing plays for I think about the first five decades of the league. Um, but yeah, I think that that is, we are almost out of those guys. I'm sure we'll, you know, we, we may get a handful here or there that are, uh, army Navy type, you know, the Academy type guys. But for the most part, that is, we are about past that. So it, it likely somebody with some older, somebody who was, uh, in or coached by, uh, somebody strict military dude. So it could be like the, somebody like in the, a very strict member of the Parcells tree or something along those lines. Oh, well, Coughlin would come to mind and look, sure. but, I, yeah. but I mean, you know, uh, you know, you know, move on at, you know, as the players on and first of all, I mean, who the hell cares tattoos, whatever, any of that stuff. Um, but you know, there are some things from that, that, you know, are still relatable. And I always go to, you know, Tom Coughlin with the, you know, when, if I say one o'clock, I mean, 1250, you know, and that it's look, it, it takes zero talent to be on time. So, you know, if the meeting starts at noon, yeah, be there by 11.50. And if, you know what, everybody's here, let's get started a couple minutes early. That stuff I have no problem with. But, you know, whatever. However these guys dress, look, their personal appearance, it's at this point, that's just freaking nonsense. Um, from at Twan Speaks, I get Freddie as a first-year coach and injuries, obviously, but what do you guys think could actually hinder this team from winning the division? Wait, say that again? All right. I get Freddie as a first-year head coach, and obviously the injury factor, but what do you guys think could actually hinder this team from winning the division? Well, I mean, losing too many games. Uh, I, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, it, it basically amounts to does this team understand what it takes to be good? You know, can they or can they live up to their talent slash can they, you know, finish games? Uh I don't see any reason they can't, but those are the questions that you'd have. Uh, I mean, they won seven last year, and they changed head coaches partway through, and they had a rookie quarterback and a, and a bunch of other young players, and seemingly they, you know, all those things are improved. So I don't know, you know, what changes in that scenario. Um, look, I mean, there's some. I don't even want to say it's concerns but you know but it's how you know is there too much skill and does it get a little difficult to maximize every drop of it um to get the production of said skill and baker mixing it all together like a chemistry experiment to where you're getting to 30 points week in week out which is kind of what you're hoping for you're hoping for you know 25 to 38 a week out of this offense um Defensively, you still need to figure out, you know, what's going to work with Joe Schobert early in the games. Um, if the offense does like it is, you're going to be in a lot of dime anyway. That's not going to matter. But there is some, you know, form of, you know, how the rest of the linebacker rotation, you know, do the young kids come, grow? Does Christian Kirksey come back to, you know, what he was pre-2018? Uh, there's that. And then I guess there's, you know, uh, you know, fingers crossed, I mean, and this would go along with injuries, is you want as much of this f- starting four defensive line as possible. Obviously, you're going to mix in depth, you know, and, and get these guys some blows. But, you know, we've talked about this a million times, Pete. There's not much there on the interior 
you know, after Sheldon and Larry. Right. I mean, the, the, there are certainly vulnerabilities. Are, you know, is, is the offensive line going to hold up? Uh, you know, you're, you're obviously replacing Kevin Zeitler with, with to be determined, likely Austin Corbett, but we'll see. It could be Kyle Kalis. I, I think it, Corbett. But, you know, is Chris Hubbard going to be able to hold up? Is Greg Robinson going to be able to hold up? Are the safeties going to be able to hold up? You you go from Demarius Randall and Jabril Peppers to Demarius Randall and committee. Um, you know, are, are your young corners going to be able to hold up? Certainly the, the interior, the defensive line. Um, but, I mean, that all comes down to injury. I think if you're not outside of injury, you're looking at the offensive line and the, the back end of the secondary. And if, if those things aren't, you know, killing you in that situation, then you should just be noticeably better basically across the board. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I agree with that. Yes. I mean, you know, you're maybe second safety or because the problem is it looks like they're going to go with a blended mix of it. And the question is going to be is, you know, do you play the right hand consistently? So, you know, that could be a difficult way because, you know, it, you know, Randall's going to be out there for almost every snap. How's it going to work with the rest, you know, the other side, you know, the other safety position, and you know, did you have Murray in when maybe, well, you know, if Morgan Burnett's here, Morgan Burnett should have been in. Did you have Sheldrick Redwine on the field, and maybe you should have had Murray? I mean, so you know, there is a you know, getting the potion correctly, if you want to use that term. At Ken Brown, twenty-two. If you had to hide an inferior talent at a single position on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball, Pete, which positions would they be? Uh, I mean, presumably it would be like, well, if, if you're saying it's a group that's weak, I would say tailback. I mean, in the NFL, you you want, that's the position you can sort of afford to be, you know, the least effective at and still be. I'll throw the living piss out of the ball and then you'll get a lot of give, give me nobody in the box five yard gains. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, if you've got a good offensive line, you can get away with, you know, a, a lesser running back. I mean, if you're saying it's, if I have to hide an individual player, I will put him at, a, you know, the, the non-premium wide receiver spot. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, this is the, the, the place to hide the turd at the, you know, in this day and age is linebacker. Um, Certainly, you know, or strong safety, I suppose, would be the other spot. If you're running a a uh, a defense where you you've you know your 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 emphasis on the corners and the free safety, uh, but I mean, if, again, and if, and if it's a bad unit, then linebacker. Again, you want those are the positions you you can afford to be lesser than and be effective, uh, especially in the NFL. It, you know, that's different on different levels, but that for the NFL, those are it. Yeah, I mean, those would, you know, I mean, I, I definitely agree on the running back position because you see plenty of teams that say, look, we're not throwing a drop of money at this position. Um, and then I, I do agree with linebacker. It's, you know, because if it's, you know, we play three, 33% of the time. So I only need one that's worth his grain of freaking salt because he's the only one that's going to see every rep. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, with Kirksey's money the way it is, that also kind of may apply to the Cleveland Browns as well. Of course, they are a little bit different right now at the running back position because when you have that stable that they do, but you keep in mind that you add all of their salaries together, Pete, I don't even know if they make half of what Le'Veon Bell makes. 
the running backs, no, they they don't. Uh, they don't. They make next to nothing, and that's you know that's why there's certainly are, that's why there's always an argument for a don't take running backs early and b don't pay running backs. Um, they you know and which is you know unfortunate if you're a running back is that you like you made your dream and you're going to the NFL and and everybody's saying don't pay you. Um, you could be a superstar and, and, and basically all of your money has to be made on endorsements, uh, because it's so hard to get, uh, a, a, you know, a big money contract. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the beast is, is if you can get enough out of linebacker or enough out of tailback, you can still be successful. Uh, you know, obviously with, with, you know, a guy like Joe Schobert, that's what makes him special is the fact he does something extra. He's that good in, in coverage that he becomes a huge advantage uh where you're you're not just putting a couple guys out there that can sort of get through you you're, you're you want you're, you're taking a guy who gives you an advantage sort of an extra player in that sense yeah and you know and it, it and especially with this day and age and it's you know because it's so much more down distance personnel um and you know you act we react um you react to our reaction and we react right back and the you know and, and the way it is now, I mean, it was you know years ago it was so much more chess. I mean, checkers obviously now so much more chess, and uh, and the, you know and obviously it's also we'd rather have more speed, more individual athletic talent on the field. So if I'm in a position where I end up with too many DBs on the field, and you know you're gashing some runs off, that's fine because I, I'd rather get burned from that than you know I had you know too many bigger dudes on the field and I couldn't cover a four verts. Yeah. I mean, look, so much of, uh, you know, offensive game planning in general is, you know, finding weaknesses and being able to exploit them. And, you know, oftentimes that can be linebacker and that, you know, that's why for a long time, you know, the whole thing beating cover two is you had that Mike linebacker drop and then tight ends took over the league. So that was basically, you know, the end of it. Uh, if you can isolate and exploit positions, you're going to. And and that's why so so more, more and more you're seeing less and less linebackers on the field, uh, especially the more passing you do. No doubt about it. Uh, Pete, before we put a bow on this one, uh, Browns-wise, league-wise, anything we haven't gotten to? I don't think so. Yeah, and this you know what this time of year it always makes me think, and I hate to even give pro football talk a mention, but uh, I remember where they used to have that when you opened the site up, and it was the days without incident. And look, Browns fans, this is what you want right now. Let's get to July twenty fourth and have zero. I know it. Well, uh, uh, it's not it's not a Browns thing. It was so. Did you watch Building the Browns? Absolutely, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It also. I also can't help but feel like they do a little bit of it to get a jab at, at some of the stuff that's going on. Like, what 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 was last night's episode? Go ahead. It was entirely the Todd Munkin show, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Where uh, people uh, had just been mentioning two weeks ago that, you know, well, Mike Silver, because apparently he's still got the keys to the what's going on in the Browns locker room. Now, granted, like last week, it was it was all about Tosh Lapoy, and and you know he's a fan, really entertaining coach when he's not in front of the media, where he was like, uh, you know, a dead fish. He was great on the show, but like it just felt like that, you know, it was very deliberate 
that it was basically the Todd Munkin show. You saw, see him talking to everybody. You see him busting balls to, incidentally, my guy, Willie Wright, uh, on his shorts, uh, getting a little bit of pop out there. But he seems to be interacting with everybody. And then, you know, when they're doing, they're showing some of the clips, I, you know, it felt very deliberate to me that they had a very nice clip from Duke Johnson in there where you hear Todd, or, uh, uh, Freddie Kitchens, like, you know, praising the shit out of him on a particular play. Uh, and some of that is, look, there's only so much content in there, so you could try to put, the, you know, what's what's good, and, and that certainly fit. But a little sort of, just a little bit of a, a poke at yeah. some of the reports. Like, guys, about. guys, stop talking about it. We'll address it through this forum. Well, it's just like, you know, here's Duke Johnson doing something great. The team has managed to survive. Yes. Uh, with Todd Munkin. <laughs> That might get, you know, huge, huge issues. Look at him getting along with the, the teammates. Watch him coach. Look at him, you know, do all these things. So, uh, uh, you know, certainly I, I have no idea who's actually involved in the process of that. It's not like I assume that, like, John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens are in there. But, yeah, know, I mean, but I don't think John would be good at it anyway. Like, I don't even know no. if John would be able to pick up, you know, the hidden, you know, what it, you know, that type of stuff. It just, It's just not John. But it, but it does seem like whoever's doing the directing in there has has a keen eye for sort of without actually you know without drawing attention to it, just slipping things in there to sort of uh, combat stories that are going around with the Browns. No doubt about it, and it's actually you know, and Peter brought this up last night. Uh, you know, and obviously, I guess we finished right before, probably about about when it started air. It's fantastically well done, and it's the perfect thing to keep the whistle wet. As we're all waiting on training camp, and you know, and obviously you know, then preseason games, and you know, and then at the end they announced. By the way, this is the last one till August, so it's like, oh, god damn it. Yeah. So and so, you know, look, enjoy your summer. Um, and you know, like every coach says at the end of you know mini camp for the last time, enjoy your summer, get your rest, get your work in, and then he always closes with, "Don't do anything stupid." So. You know, but uh, granted, uh, for us, any of us, uh, you know, the penance is not too. The penance and what you're gonna have to pay for it is nothing like it would be for any of these guys. So, just another day, another notch, another cross off the calendar as we get closer and closer to July 24th, and then obviously the impending day of July 25th. Pete Browns, Maven, what's in the hopper? Uh, getting back to some player stuff. So there will be another feature on uh, tomorrow. Uh, back back to you know sort of those guys who. Uh, may not be getting much talk, maybe roster spots, that type of stuff. And, you know, it's, you know, and look, whatever they are, hopefully eventually one day, even if they're the bottom end of the roster, they all get to dress on game day, which is the stupidest thing, and I still don't get it, especially when it's such a weird, arbitrary number like the one it is. Um, Pete's work, um, check it out, uh, brownsmaven.com. Make sure you're following at brownsmaven. As always, you know, make sure you're following it, underscore Pete Smith, underscore uh, the show itself, the Locked on Browns Twitter account, at Locked on Browns, all lowercase. Make sure you're following over there. Um, appreciate the DMs, uh, you know, you know, uh, where the appreciation for the work. If you want to send questions over there, stuff you do not want to put on a Twitter timeline, again, as always, I get it. Trust me. So, uh, you know, anything you can funnel through that over there. Me personally, at Jeff, underscore LJ, underscore Lloyd. Throw a follow over there. Um, 
We're going to try to keep it fun here. I guess we're talking now if it's June 27th today. You know, we're going to put some fun stuff together here and get you through. Uh, you know, obviously we'll get the positional previews as we head to camp and stuff like that. Still working with a couple of players, hopefully hoping to sneak them in here before, uh, you know, camp kicks off. Uh, Obviously, the excitement level is an all-time high. Um, even with the Indians playing better, I still see a ton and ton of brown shatter on the timeline, and that's fantastic. Uh, you guys deserve it. You certainly waited for it. And with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.